Welcome to Shatter the Stigma, where Alex and Sam, two psychology majors, explore all things psychology. We discuss random psychology facts, our own mental health struggles, and whatever comes to our ADHD brains. Just a disclaimer, we are not licensed professionals. We are just two university students that really love psychology. This is for education and entertainment purposes only. Welcome back, guys. Today we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk just like a little bit about what it is, our experiences on it, and what our therapists say about it. What our therapists make us do with it. Oh, yes, (laughs) and coping skills that we use with it. (laughs) Yes. So, Alex, what is anxiety? So, because I am coined term the research monkey of this podcast, I took it upon myself to go on the APA website. Fun fact, they have a dictionary. So the APA definition of anxiety (laughs) is an emotion characterized by apprehension and somatic symptoms of tension in which an individual anticipates impending danger, catastrophe, or misfortune. The body often mobilizes itself to meet the perceived threats. Muscles become tense, breathing is faster, and the heart beats more rapidly. Anxiety is considered a future-oriented, long-lasting response to a broadly focused, diffuse threat, whereas fear is an appropriate, present-oriented, short-lived response to a clearly identifiable and specific threat. So English, please. (laughs) So English is anxiety is like kind of version of fear, but it's more future oriented. So it's about something kind of vague in the future that could happen. And you can't like put a tack on exactly what is making you feel that kind of like fear, the symptoms of fear. Whereas fear is like, you can be like, ah, yes, this is what I am afraid of. This, if I get out of the situation with this one thing, this feeling will go away. Whereas anxiety is like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. It just happened and I can't stop it. So makes yeah. Sense. That makes sense. English of that. English. We, like- <laughs> and I, I wanted to mention also that it's very important to note that anxiety is not something that like is necessarily bad. Um, it's actually a very like evolutionarily adapted thing for us because like if we didn't have anxiety then reckless (laughs) we would be very reckless and because anxiety helps keep us safe i wanted to throw that out there the anxiety is not always bad it's just when it becomes like of a level that it's impairing your daily functioning then it becomes of like clinical concern and then we're like "Uh that's an issue yeah that that's that's when it becomes issue a soft impairment social occupational and Functional, I think. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Not that Sam learned that in the class. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hot second. <laughs> Alex, you have way more experience with anxiety than I do. I have more of a social anxiety, and you have more of a generalized anxiety. Yeah, so I have generalized anxiety. I've also struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder, and then I have some OCD symptoms as well. Always fun. We love a little, like, mix of anxiety disorders. I've just experienced social anxiety and a little bit of generalized anxiety, but mostly about like the future. So it's more like a, I don't want to say fear, but it does have a cause. Yeah. It's mostly social. Lots and lots and lots of social anxiety. My social anxiety is a lot lower. It generally kind of, it ties in a little bit with generalized anxiety. For me, it's mostly just generalized anxiety. 
And how I kind of experienced that is there's just kind of this overwhelming physical sensation of like needing to move. Because for me, mental illnesses and stuff like that tend to present very physically. I'm a very somatic person. So it's called a, you're a somaticizer if you experience mental illness <laughs> very physically. So I will get this kind of sensation of like needing to move. I used to not be able to sleep because of my anxiety and it would be so bad. And so I've done a lot of work with my therapist and <laughs> learning to identify like, hey, maybe I don't need to go for a run at midnight. Maybe I need to identify what's making me anxious and move through that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably better. Probably. Yeah, because like we have done the run at midnight thing and it does work. Is it the safest thing? No. no. <laughs> No, I'm not reckless. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but my anxiety makes me afraid to be. Right. It's fine. It's fine. So, Alex, you've done some research, and what? I love research. Of course, you do. You are a research monkey. So, what have you found on anxiety? I found a lot. There's a lot of really interesting research on anxiety. One of the biggest things that popped out to me was there was a lot because I I went through like a lot of different sites and stuff and there was a lot about anxiety having like a genetic link to it they don't have like a specific like this is the gene that causes anxiety I mean they have that for very few things but they there's a suspected genetic link because anxiety seems to run in families and another really interesting thing I found that was like pretty common across all of the sites was women are about twice as likely to struggle with anxiety than men are. However, there is some kind of issue with the whole men tend to not report if they're struggling with mental health issues. So there's a little bit of a bias there. That's true. That's true. I mean, there's kind of a little bit of what I talked about with myself is um, anxiety disorders can present in really physical symptoms. So I've actually worked with some kids in like the psych facility I worked with that were like really, really big somaticizers. And so when they were feeling anxious, they would get a stomach ache or like they would be like, something's wrong with me physically. I need to see the nurse. And we'd be like, all right, let's start with a PRN, which is an as needed medication because that's what the doctor has told us to do for you. And they were always like, no, but I need to see the nurse. But that's how their anxiety presented, which I've always found to be really interesting. Because anxiety is such a, like, high levels of anxiety that are of, like, clinical concern cause such a drastic, like, stress response. They increase the levels of cortisol in your brain, which lots of cortisol for a long time is very bad for your brain. And it can actually, like, wreck your immune system, which is wild because you're at this, like, super, super high level of the psychology term is arousal, but <laughs> you're at this super, super high level of anxiety and stress for so, so long, and that can start to break down your immune system, and you get sick a lot more easily, and everything like that, which that, like, that made me sad, but it makes sense. Kind of explains a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah, I get sick easily, but it's fine. <laughs> a lot of, I've got a couple friends who have anxiety, like a really bad anxiety, Mm-hmm. and they're always sick yeah I'm like like you should probably see a doctor about that but then like you did some research I'm like oh yeah okay, maybe it's not physical illness it's like she's not sick sick like a bug it's yeah symptoms of anxiety because she has a lot of symptoms I feel really bad yeah because severe symptoms of anxiety can have like flu-like symptoms it's 
it's intense. Like, anxiety is not something that should ever be taken lightly. I know, like, there's this kind of cultural thing where people are like, oh, I have anxiety, or like, oh, I'm anxious and stuff, and it's kind of used, like, in an offhand way, which is difficult. As because instead of a mental illness? Yeah, because it's a that. serious thing that can be debilitating. I've gone through periods with my anxiety where it felt like I was like paralyzed, like I couldn't do anything because I was just like overthinking everything and my head was just spinning and spinning and spinning. There's a difference so. between feeling nervous and feeling anxious. Definitely, definitely. And a lot of people don't understand that. Also, <laughs> in some of my other research, I did find that there's a huge proportion of people. I think it said like up to 30% of adults will have experienced anxiety, like a diagnosable anxiety disorder in their lifetime. So that's a pretty big percentage of human beings that will have experienced anxiety. So like not saying that like people who are like, I have anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Please reach out for help (laughs) if you need it because it's a serious thing. And I don't think it's taken as seriously as it should be. I agree fully. 100% man. Like if he, I think because it's, it is the most common Mm -hmm. mental illness in the world. Yeah, it is. Because it's so common. People just take it. I don't want to say for granted, but they just brush it aside. Like, oh, they like kind of make light of it. Anxiety, but not everyone has anxiety. Some t- some people may have it to a level of like nervousness, but not everyone has anxiety. A lot do, but yeah. people just kind of brush it off, and it's kind of I don't know pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the point of this podcast. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Another so an interesting thing that I found in some of my research because I when I do research, I tend to go for the more like scientific data-driven of course research <laughs> as Sam's discovered I was reading off my research for this podcast and she was like Alex you gotta make this plain English and I was like but it's hard uh, <laughs> I got you I'll help you <laughs> thanks but something I found super super interesting was they've done like brain scans of people with anxiety and there's like differences there's yeah. chemical differences like structural physical differences of people with anxiety I know that it's like really clear with certain anxiety disorders like PTSD it's very very clear but even like people with generalized anxiety disorder they see those like differences on brain scans which definitely makes me feel better because like there's so many people in the world that are like mental illness isn't real and I'm like but there's a brain scan (laughs) like schizophrenia like brain like oh so interesting so interesting. interesting. It's awesome. Something else I found in my research that, like, it made me super, super sad was that only about one-third of people who struggle with anxiety of any sort, like, any anxiety disorder, there are a lot of them, only about a, a third of them receive the treatment that they need, which, that's that number is, that's low. That's really low. You were to that think, is. you were to think more. Yeah. Wow. And, like, to think, especially because, like, one-third of people who have reported struggling with anxiety because some people like I've talked to friends and stuff and been like they've been like oh like this is happening to me and like describe a list of symptoms for me and I'll be like well I'm not a licensed professional disclose that like off the bat 24 7 I know <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like I'm not licensed but I'll be like, like that, that sounds yeah I'll be like that sounds like the DSM definition of anxiety and they would be like what so like some people don't even know that they're struggling with it because it becomes so normal 
and there's like I think one in eight children will just will like struggle with anxiety throughout their lifetime I know that eight percent of children and teenagers so I I may have mixed up those statistics but I know eight percent of children and teenagers experience anxiety and most of those will develop symptoms before age 21 so like think about it if you've had anxiety like your whole life you might not even realize that that's not normal. It can start pretty young too. Like yeah. little kids, like three, four, mm-hmm. it can start, like they start to like worry about every little thing yeah. and worry that this is going to happen. And it's, it's like such a young age mm-hmm. and parents don't really take precautions on it. They're just like, oh, they're just, they just worry a lot. They're yeah. just uptight. And it's like, no, get the treatment they need now. <laughs> Yeah, they desperately need that treatment and stuff. And like, the sooner that you can identify that anxiety is an issue that's happening, the sooner you can address it and move through it. And like, the less kind of like deep rooted those patterns will be in your brain. Because every time you have an anxious thought, every time you like perform a behavior, if you have like OCD type symptoms or something like that, to reduce anxiety, to like compensate for anxiety in some way, those patterns in your brain that like reinforce the anxiety become like deeper and deeper ingrained and it it takes so much longer if it's been like if you've had anxiety for your whole life and all of a sudden you're trying to change the things that have been there since you were like in fourth or fifth grade you know or even down to like the the kids that you're talking about that are like three or four years old that struggle with anxiety We have kids at my psych facility, we have kids that are up at night. They have to stay in their rooms, but they'll come out of their rooms because they'll be like, oh, can I do this? Can I get a book? Can I do whatever? Because they can't sleep because their minds are racing and they can't, they can't stop. And I feel so bad. I'm like, you know, like here, like, do you want a book? I can't give you a pencil because you're supposed to be in your room and you can't have a crayon room. (laughs) But do you want like a book? Do you want to talk? I can stand in your doorway and we can talk. I just, I feel so bad. Like, plus, like, because, you know, I know what that's like being up at night because your mind is racing and it's hard. Yeah. It's 100% hard. I think that's where my anxiety comes in is being up at night, overthinking everything. Overthinking where my anxiety comes in and the social aspect because really bad social anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. I mean, my anxiety, like I said before, definitely presents very physically for me, which took me a long time to realize, like, oh, that's anxiety, because I was like, no, I just have a lot of energy, um, which I do. Like, I naturally have a ton of energy. I don't know if you can tell by how fast I talk in this podcast, but I naturally have a lot of energy. But there's definitely a different feeling of, like, I'm hyper, and, like, I want to jump around and be crazy from that, like, anxiety, like, kind of built up It almost feels like a tension coil that, like, needs to be released. That being said, with my anxiety, I am very avoidant, which makes my anxiety worse because I will avoid something and avoid it and avoid it and avoid it because in my brain I'm like, oh, if I avoid it, then it doesn't exist, then I can't be anxious about it. But obviously my brain is still thinking about it and, like, spiraling it, and so I'm anxious about it, and it just makes the whole situation worse. Um, I'm going to take that and jump into, now what coping skills does your therapist have you do for that? This is like <laughs> literally every time my therapist brings this up, I'm always like, but, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, so my therapist, every time I bring up that I'm avoiding something, she'll be like, okay, your homework is to do that thing. And I'll be like, but I don't want to because I'm avoiding it because it makes me anxious. Sometimes it's homework, which is the worst thing to avoid. 
don't avoid your homework. Don't. Sometimes it's calling to make doctor's appointments. Sometimes it's refilling meds, stuff like that. And I will just like push things off until it like reaches a critical point. So my therapist (laughs) has started doing this thing where I tell her something that I'm avoiding or such like that just kind of throughout a session and she'll be like okay you have to do this now and I'm like okay gosh darn it why didn't I why did I say that (laughs) and we kind of talk through ways that I can cope in the moment if I get like too anxious and stuff and she always tells if you're you're like in the process of doing the thing and you like physically can't do it it's okay to stop and try again and that's definitely helps my anxiety because it's like I have that, I don't have to do it all in one go. Like I can break it down. I can try it a couple times and stuff, which is super, super helpful. But in the moment when I'm freaking out about doing the thing that generally when I actually manage to do whatever's making me anxious, I'm like, oh, that was the easiest thing in the world. But if I start freaking out in the moment, I tend to rely on deep breathing. That's something that calms me down super, super quick. I heard that's like really, that's really helpful for me too. And I feel like that's probably the number one coping skill for a lot of people with anxiety. Yeah. It's like even in social situations for me, like deep breathing, if I just like step aside and I'm like, oh, okay. Then do some deep breathing. Like you got this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so I think that that's the number one coping skill for a lot of people with anxiety, but there are multiple ways to do deep breathing too. Like, yeah. There's like the four square one. I love, four square is the only one that works for me. There's one that's, I believe it's like in for seven, hold for four, out for eight. Or maybe, okay. it's, or maybe it's in for four, hold for seven, out for eight. I know that for eight. I know that for eight. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I know the last one, the first two, well, foggy. <laughs> but I do know that with anxiety and deep breathing, your exhale has to be longer than your inhale. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing that makes deep breathing work is your exhale is longer than your inhale. Interesting. So those are, that's what my therapist told me. <laughs> that's cool. I'm Now I want to do research. Gosh darn it, Sam. Now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole about See, researching deep breathing. Okay, now this is the time where you can procrastinate on that one because you have finals this week. So you need to finish your finals first. Then you can go down the rabbit hole, okay? But... I finished my finals. <laughs> no, no, you, you still got some stuff. Uh-uh. Gosh darn it. But I'm avoiding that. <laughs> Here we go. Exactly. So I'm avoiding it because it makes me anxious. Okay, um, so disclaimer, I am a good student. I did, I've done everything that I can do for school. For today. For today. <laughs> but for the week? Shit. I'm going to make sure you don't touch that until this weekend, okay? Fine, okay. <laughs> And um, speaking of said homework that I am currently avoiding because it makes me anxious, I should probably go do it. Yeah, you really should. Yeah. I mean, I I, I have a research proposal to write if you'd like to do that for me. <laughs> um, I would not, but like, why don't we both go do our homework and stop avoiding it because we're anxious? That. I don't like that idea, but it's probably hey, that's me idea. every time with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I call it procrastination. <laughs> procrastination station. Yes. Okay, guys. Well, we're going to wrap this up. So we hope to see you guys next week, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Shatter the Stigma. We are sponsored by our bank accounts. And if you'd like to contact us, our email is shatteringthemhstigma at gmail.com. Also follow us on Instagram at shatter.thestigma and on Twitter at shatter underscore stigma underscore. Thanks for listening.